Hi, I'm Catherine Delgado. And I'm Priya Kamath. And you're listening to FIRST. Welcome to the fourth episode of our collaboration with When We All Vote slash My School Vote San Diego. Our guest for today's episode is Georgia Morgan. She'll be explaining to us how the United States voting system and government work and provide us with some key terms to keep in mind. So without further ado, let's get into it. First and foremost, Georgia, can you, exp- can you introduce yourself? Hi, absolutely. My name is Georgia. I go to Point Loma High School. I'm part of the My School Votes um, organization and respectively the When We All Votes organization. Um, so can you give us an overview of the United States government and how this relates to what our votes represent? Absolutely. So at the very basic, our government is a democracy that has three branches that allow for um, checks and balances to make sure that, you know, there isn't too much power um, in one branch. So the first branch is the legislative branch, which is responsible for the creation of laws. And this includes the House of Representatives and the Senate. And in the House of Representatives there, it is the lower house of Congress. Um, but that doesn't mean that it does less. Um, Both the Senate and the House of Representatives review laws and make sure that they're, um, okay, I'm gonna pause, I messed up. Uh, Okay. Oh, thank you. (laughs) Um, It doesn't mean that they do less. The House of Representatives is the lower house of Congress and the Senate is the upper. So the House of Representatives is based off of population. So each state is entitled to at least one representative and the number of representatives is determined by the census, which is conducted every 10 years. So for example, California being the most populated state has 53 representatives and the Senate has two senators per state. So it is not according to population um, and it is the upper house of Congress again. So to determine the House of Representatives, there's congressional districts within a state, and there are 435 congressional districts. So that is the legislative branch. Um, The executive branch is the branch of government that enforces laws that are put in place by the legislative branch and that are stated by the Constitution. And this includes the president, the vice president, and the cabinet. And then lastly, the judicial branch, which is a branch of government responsible for interpreting laws according to the constitution includes Supreme Court, the Supreme Court and the nine justices. Um, And so each of the branches are set up to balance each other out so that one doesn't have too much power over the other. Um, So in voting, there is a term called gerrymandering, which actually relates to the way that congressional districts are set up. Um, And this is a term that a lot of people don't really understand, but it's so important to the integrity of elections and it's important to how um, the presidential nominees are swayed. So when parties gerrymander, they manipulate the legislative district district lines in order to have an advantage um, over the other in the House of Representatives. And this allows for the respective parties to take advantage of um, their population in Congress and ultimately forward their agenda. So that's pretty much all I have for the overview. I think that's a pretty good summary of 
how the government works and just how the branches are balanced. Yeah, well, thank you for that. That was a really like fun mini civics lesson. Um, I was kind of set at the beginning of the school year because I wanted to take AP Gov um, this quarter just because like the election was coming up, but I have it in January, which is like, it's still important to know. Um, it's still important to listen to like your Gov teachers, but it's just bad timing. Yeah, I really enjoy that too. Thank you. It was like a fun Gov lesson. <laughs> So now that you've given us a little bit of an overview of the United States government, um, we all know that as U.S. citizens, we have a right to vote, which is great, but sometimes ballots can get a little confusing with all of the different vocabulary words, and especially given that most high schoolers or it's not exactly mandatory for high schoolers to take gov. So especially for young people, ballots can get kind of confusing. So Georgia, can you highlight a few of the terms that we'll be seeing on our ballots and maybe what they mean? Absolutely. Um, there's a couple of really important terms that a lot of people don't know the definitions to explicitly. Um, and I think that they're really important to highlight because not only are they on the ballots, but they're often talked about in in the news and in the papers and articles that you might read. So this is, these are really important. The first one that I have here is um, referendum, um, which I actually had to do a little bit of research on this because I was quite confused. Um, but a referendum is a direct and universal vote in which an entire eligible population is invited to vote on a particular proposal. So this is where the Congress or the law making institution formulates a law and asks the population to improve it or to approve it. Um, so this is really important because it allows for this sort of genuine democracy where it's not the legislative branch making all of the decisions about the laws. It's very important for the population to have a say in what laws are passed. And so referendums often appear on, especially the general election ballots, um, as propositions. And they can be local, they can be statewide, or they can be national. So moving right along, um, a proposition is a statement or assertion that expresses a judgment or opinion. Um, and so when propositions appear on the ballot, they're generally swayed to uh, focus on specific things that people want to get done in their, in their local community. Um, and they can be proposed by process of a process of a referendum, but they can also be proposed by an initiative, um, which is a proposed law that voters can place on ballots in some states. So the way I like to remember this is that voters can initiate legislation and referendums are initiated by the legislation themselves. So it's like the opposite of a referendum. Um, and then if, it, if an initiative is passed, it becomes a law or an amendment. Um, which is great because it shows that voters and, um, and or, no, sorry, <clears throat> uh, it's great because it shows how um, the population has a say in what legislation is passed. Um, and typically initiatives can come in the form of petitions where all citizens can vote on a piece of legislator or proposition. And if somebody signs, if enough people sign the petition, um, it calls attention to the issue and can go all the way through to Congress and get it passed and put on the ballots. So that's really incredible. So all the petitions that we've been signing the past couple of months um, are super important in maintaining a democracy. 
Um, so a, a coalition is a group of stakeholders that are working together to achieve a common goal. So typically this comes in the form of political parties or organizations, but they also come in unions and any kind of alliance that you might have. Um, and they're usually temporary to fulfill a goal, but especially with political parties, they can last for years. Um, so a common term to represent the entire population of people who have the right to vote, so that's all US citizens, um, is the electorate. And this is just the group of people that can vote. Um, let's see. So I think that just, so those were some voting terms that generally appear in the news or in other articles that often get confused with each other. And so it's really important to remember those, especially when you're continuing to be um, active in your democracy and in politics. That was super informative. Um, I don't know if it's because well, I guess it's because I haven't taken Gov yet, but um, I'm not, I have never been familiar with those terms and I consider myself to be a pretty informed person. Um, I, th I think it's kind of, this is kind of sidetracking, but I think it's kind of odd that uh, we take his, like the last time I learned about history like this was back in like third grade or not history, but our government. Um, and we learned about the presidents and the different kinds of, um, we learned about Congress and the presidents. And it's so weird that it, we have to wait until like the end of high school um, in our senior year to take Gov and like learn more. And I think it's super important for people to know about these kinds of terms because um, we do have a, we, d we are able to vote, but our ballots can be so confusing. So that was super interesting. Thank you, um, absolutely. I'm taking political science this year through Mesa College. Um, and it's been really interesting to sort of readdress some of the terms that I thought I was familiar with um, and then looking at them through more of a philosophical light, how they came to be um, and everything like that. And especially some of these terms I had to do a little bit of research on and I was definitely confused by some of them um, and just how they, are specifically important in our elections and in um, our government. And I just feel way more informed now. So this is great. Yeah, and I think in different places in the country, like you might have your civics lessons before senior year, but I think like in San Diego where we, the three of us are, we do have to wait until the end of our high school to take that. I think like even after taking that class, it's still confusing. So I don't know, it's kind of frustrating to think about how like your right to vote and like how to exercise that is incredibly hard to understand. And like, even after taking classes, you still have to learn more. Um, that just doesn't sit right in my mind. Like it's a basic right that we should exercise um, frequently and we still don't understand it. I think it's great that we're talking about this right now, but I think um, like even in, in this episode that I think we're leaving a lot of stuff out, but we are covering the basics, which I think is great. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think it's also super discouraging to people when it takes us or we have to wait so long to actually um, learn about our political systems and all these different terms. We have to wait, at least in San Diego, 
until our senior year. And so it kind of discourages people from uh, voting and it like not discourages them, but people don't have an interest in doing it because we don't even learn about it in school. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, especially because it can be so complex um, and kind of confusing um, and it can be super intimidating, especially to first time voters. Unfortunately, this year I can't vote in this election. I'm still only 17, which is such a bummer. Um, but it's been really great to research and get informed. And especially through the my school votes, I was able to go to various classes and talk about the process to register to vote. And even though I can't vote this year, I still feel so much more informed. Um, and I think it's really important that everybody understands this because this is a, a human right for so many Americans. Yeah, I think with it being so confusing and us being new voters, um, whether like you're a high schooler right now who can't vote or you will eventually in the next coming years, um, I think that's why we really want to emphasize that we want to educate and inform you so you can actually start voting early on and making an impact within your own communities. Because I think um, a lot of youth don't exercise their right to vote. And then um, the views of the older generations are implemented into law. So I think this is a great start for getting the youth involved. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, there's a lot of, there's, it's not just about the terms on the ballot that are confusing. It's also the political parties. There's a lot of misinformation out there about their policies. And also a lot of people aren't aware that there are more political parties than just um, Democrats and Republicans. So Georgia, can you talk a little bit about that? Absolutely. And I think that it can definitely get very confusing. Um, and if you are not aware of all the parties, you, you're you not aware if you fit better in one party or the other. So uh, just starting off, I guess the two main ones um, are the Republican and the Democratic Party. Um, so the Republican Party, also known as the GOP, which stands for the Grand Old Party, um, is, you know, a moderate right party. It's not super radical um, and it's not it's just sort of in the middle, um, but it tends to lean more right, um, which indicates that it's more conservative. And conservative values themselves um, favor free enterprise, private ownership, and traditional ideas, and they're not super receptive to change. Um, and so they tend to want to stay the same as they have been for the past, you know, number of years. Uh, so the Republican Party currently supports lower taxes, free market capitalism, which means that basically um, goods and services are self-regulated and they're not super influenced by the government. They also support restrictions on immigration, increased military spending, gun rights, um, restrictions on abortions, and restrictions on labor unions. Um, and the Democratic Party is sort of more moderate left, um, and they support egalitarianism, which is a philosophy that people should be treated equally. And they also focus on social equality, protecting the environment, strengthening the social safety through liberalism. And liberal, liberalism is a social philosophy that promotes individual rights and liberties. Um, and it's generally based on the consent of the governed and equality before the law. So they also support um, voting rights and minority rights. That includes LGBTQ rights, multiculturalism, and religious secularism. 
So a couple um, what are called independent parties, but also third parties, they're like interchangeable words, um, which are separate from the two primary partisan parties. Um, so those are the Democratic and the Republican are the ones that you usually see. But there's also the Green Party, which is a pretty far left party. Um, and as the name suggests, it focused primarily on environmentalism um, and gender equality, LGBTQ rights, they're um, pacifist, um, anti-war, and eco-socialism, which is society in harmony with nature. Um, additionally, there's a libertarian party, which is very, it's more moderate right, um, slightly more leaning right than the Republican Party. And this promotes civil liberties. They're in support of non-interventionism, which means that they don't like to meddle in foreign affairs, but they still um, want to remain in international trade. They also focus on laissez-faire capitalism, which is the same thing as free market capitalism. And they want to limit the size and scope of the government. So generally small government, big business. The American Independent Party, which is different than um, independent parties collectively. Um, so the American Independent is actually a very far right, meaning very conservative um, perspective party. They support a nation under God. They protect the right to life and to strengthen families. They want to secure the border and enforce immigration laws and they want to balance the state budget. So finally, the Peace and Freedom Party, which is a far left party, um, sort of associated with the Green Party. And this is an anti-war party and they implement, they want to implement socialist policies. They support racial and gender equality and they support open borders and an end to deportation of immigrants. So I think that's a pretty good overview of the, sort of the political parties. Thank you for that in-depth explanation of political parties, because I think in the headlines, what we mostly see are the main two. So I think it was great to learn about more than just Democrats and Republicans. Um, but during election season, lots of technical terms are thrown around in the news cycle. So what are some key vocabulary words that we should know and what do they mean? Thanks, Catherine. Um, there's definitely many terms that are misunderstood and especially the big ones. Um, so I'm just gonna talk about the elections, what, they're, what they are and generally who you can vote for in each one. So the first one is the primary election which tends to come in the same year as the general election. And this election is where voters can indicate their preference for a party candidate or for any candidate in general. So when they're voting for a specific candidate, that candidate's most likely going to be the nominee for their um, party. And another way to do this is with caucuses. So a caucus is a meeting where political parties and leaders can choose candidates. So anybody can come to a caucus meeting if they're registered for that party. And they can select what uh, delegate they favor and generally this delegate becomes the one that is the nomination for that party. So the day when most states and territories hold presidential primary elections or caucuses is called Super Tuesday. And the winner from the, the candidate who wins Super Tuesday is most likely to win their party's nomination, but it is not the actual nomination for their respective parties. 
Another election um, is a midterm election, and this happens two years after the major election in November. And this is a general election that does not occur during the presidential election year. And it elects some members of the US Senate, members of the House of Representatives, and many state and local positions. Um, so of course, this isn't the big election, which is the general election, um, but there are some cases where you will um, elect representatives and members of Congress, as well as local representatives. And then the big one that's coming up in, in just a couple of days is the general election, which is the election where most members of the political body, body are chosen. Um, and it typically happens in the first Tuesday after the first Monday in November. Um, it's a little confusing, but you can look it up. It's pretty simple. You can also look at it on my article that's going to be up. Um, so you can read the rest of these election terms. Um, but make sure that you vote in the general election this November. Um, vote early if you can. And you can mail in your ballot or you can vote in person. Uh, make sure you do it safely, especially this year. But um, that's those are the big elections. And I hope that I cleared up some things that could be confusing. Yeah, I definitely um, feel like you clarified a lot of things for me that I didn't know or wasn't too sure of. So I hope our listeners feel the same way. And now to our listeners, if you are interested in learning more about these key terms, as for the sake of time, we do we did have to leave out a few, um, or you would just like to hear more from Georgia, um, please check our website, youthvoicesfirst.weebly.com. Georgia has provided us with an extensive and informational list of vocabulary words, and it can be found there. But that is it for us today. Thank you, Georgia, for joining us. We really enjoyed hearing what you had to say, and we really appreciated your in-depth explanation of the U.S. government. Of course. Thank you for inviting me. This is so fun. To our listeners, thank you so much for tuning in. We'll see you next time on FIRST.